to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. My name's Corinne, and I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist who went from no period from mismanaged PCOS to a regular one. Now, I'm obsessed with helping you get hormonally balanced and emotionally aligned. This podcast is all about education, empowerment, real talk, and simple strategies you could start today to find inner peace and overall well-being. I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. Hello, love. What's going on? I am super I don't know what the emotion is for this episode. So the uh, last Tuesday, episode 208, I think it was, was part one of this interview series with Jerrica Heady. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, I'm going to have you pause and go listen to part one. Um, Part one was all about navigating IVF. Um, So Jerrica is so freaking amazing. She really dove deep into the emotional side of what it actually feels like to be going through IVF, what that really looks like on an emotional level, the support that she needed, how she navigated through it, infertility in general, like the many rounds that she went through. It was so impactful, not only for people who are going through IVF or are thinking of going through it, but also for people that know family and friends that maybe are struggling with infertility. It is so powerful to hear about what it's really like and what support can actually look like for that person. So highly recommend if you did not already listen to it, go back and listen to part one because you definitely want to hear that before you listen to this part. So part two is the second part of our conversation. And this part is really more, um, about grief. And I want to give a major disclaimer here. If somebody is dealing with miscarriages right now or grief in any sense of the word and hearing about this at this current moment would be really detrimental to your mental health. I just want to let you know that that is what we are going to be talking about. It is very heavy, um, but it's also... I think it's really important to talk about this stuff because we don't, on Instagram, on social media, on things, we see people talking about like, oh, they're pregnant, their gender reveals, they had the baby, da da da, all these things. But there's a whole other amount of people who go through not only miscarriages, but grief afterwards or losing the baby long, like when you're months and months along or after pregnancy, so uh, after giving birth. So it's a really heavy topic, but I think it's really important to show people that they're not alone if they are going through this and that this is something that people are struggling with. And if you are someone who is going through this, you're not alone. But I do want to give a disclaimer that that is what we are talking about today. So if you aren't emotionally or energetically ready for that, then please don't listen to it. You could always come back to it. Okay. But that is what we are getting into today. We, um, just to give you a little recap, if you did listen to last week's episode, but you forgot, um, we left off where Jerrica was going through. This was her, I think, third or fifth, I forget where she left off, round of IVF. And she finally got pregnant. She got pregnant with twins and found this out, like, literally right when the pandemic was kicking off. And that is where we ended the last episode. So we are picking up this episode where she just found out that she is finally pregnant, first pregnancy ever. um, with twins in the middle of a pandemic. So that is where we left off and that is where we're going to begin today. So without further ado, let's get into part two with Jerrica Heady. So you got the positive 
pregnancy test. You went in the sonogram. They're like, hi, there's two heartbeats. You're like, oh my God, I don't know what to yeah. do with two babies. And now we're in a global pandemic. So what did that look like from that moment forward? Your pregnancy, how did that go? All of that. Yeah. So, you know, they, the clinic was very good with us. Um, they let us stay through about 10 weeks. So I went there every single week, um, and got to, you know, hear their heartbeats, see them on the monitors, which if you have had like a normal pregnancy, you don't do that, but you don't, once you know you're pregnant, they're like, okay, like we'll see you at 12 weeks. We'll see you at 20 weeks. We'll see you when you deliver. Like you don't (laughs) get this, um, every week kind of check. Yeah, not till the very end. So we were very fortunate to like watch them grow Mm -hmm. and see them. And then, you know, I transferred to a really great um, OB and he hands down has been such a vital, you know, piece of our journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was, like I could say that I pretty much held my breath the yeah. entire pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. So we stayed at the clinic through 10 weeks, you know, we transferred to the OB and then I had my first bleed at like 11 weeks. I don't think I was 12 weeks. I think I was 11 weeks oh, and I was freaking out. Yeah. So I was with, a group of my girlfriends, we were getting ready to go out for um, dinner. And I was like laying on my friend's couch and I was like, yeah, I should probably go to the bathroom before we go. And I like sat up and I was just like, something's not right. And they knew you were pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everybody knew that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was with them and I was like back in my hometown, which is like, 35 minutes from where I currently live. Mm. And so I was with them over there and we were getting ready to go to dinner on the lake and um, I started bleeding. And so they took me to the emergency room and they're calling my husband who works 20 minutes in the opposite direction from our house, which means he's about an hour away from me. Yeah. And so they're calling him and they're like, you need to get here. Like we're taking her to the emergency. And so I remember being in that emergency room and I was just like, that's it. They're gone. Like that, that's it. Mm, yeah. And um, so um, I had like a bit of a meltdown with my friends in the emergency room, but held it together when my husband got there. And then Mm. we were waiting for, you know, someone to come and do an ultrasound. And when they did the ultrasound, um, baby A was like spinning around in circles and baby B was like, just kind of laying on my pelvis, watching baby A spin around. Like they were completely fine. And (laughs) we were just like, what is going on? Yeah. And So, and everyone, because like I was in my hometown and it's a really small town. So I knew all the people working in the ER. So we're all like crying together because they're watching this journey, you know, of mine on social media and then Mm -hmm. they know me. And so it was like such a sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know, sometimes this happens and it might not ever happen again. Like, and the babies Mm -hmm. were fine. And so we like went about the summer all good. Everybody was good. And then at like 23 weeks, um, I was laying in bed and again, like felt a gush looked down and it was just like, 
a murder scene. Like there was just blood was everywhere. And I was like crying, but my, and I don't even know how this is possible, but like my husband slept through all of it. So I was able to like clean everything up and then wake him up. Before I woke him up and I was oh like, God. hey, can you can you take me to the emergency room? I just cleaned up a murder and, scene. You have to drive me yeah. to the hospital. <laughs> and so, you know, we go to the emergency and it's like the same thing. They find both the heartbeats. Both babies are fine. And I'm just like this. Did they like, tell my you why body, it was happening? So, my I, no. Like, wow. my body just did not like being pregnant mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, and that happens sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody has this like... Pinterest worthy pregnancy. And so that's like another thing where you're like, okay, I've never been pregnant before. This is not easy. I'm Mm -hmm. also pregnant during a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And every person that I know that has ever been pregnant has only ever shared the highlight reel. So I don't know if this stuff happens to people or not because no one's talking about it. Exactly. So, um, you know, it, it was crazy. And so we ended up having like a follow-up with our OB and he just was, he was so great with us. And we ended up having to like go to a different hospital and um, we had to set up all of these parameters with the NICU unit there. And I had to sign all of these papers, like letting them know what we wanted them to do. Um, You know, if, they had to take the babies in an emergency because I was only like 24 weeks at that time. And just all these conversations that you never think you would have to have while being pregnant. Like they're literally asking me, like, do you want us to save them? Do you want us to, you know, what do you want this to look like? Right. Like to save you you or to save them? Like, yeah. And so, you know, and we're having to like, answer these questions on the spot and it just it was so overwhelming um so they were like you know 23 weeks like you know obviously their chance of survival is is super low but we can do it you know it would be better if you could get to 25 weeks and so I just remember thinking like we got to make it to 25 weeks at 25 Mm -hmm. weeks like their chances go up to like 80% of right. survival for so both the, of them. Were they saying that it would be better for them to get the babies out before full term just because of all the bleeding and stuff that was happening? So they were, we were just like talking worst case scenario because okay. in the like OB world, they don't really count anything that happens to you before 20 weeks as as a marker um so you know 20 weeks is that like um viability like that's the minimum that they consider to be viable so anything before that they don't really worry about so um they were just like we know technically that this is your second bleed but to us it's only your first so what do you want us to do if this happens again you know and you're not in the space where we can have this like oh okay like if it got so worked. we were okay, just like preparing mm-hmm. just in case um okay which is like still nerve-wracking oh yeah um, <laughs> it's terrifying like it was absolutely yeah it was absolutely terrifying so we no one prepares to- you for that and it's like you really can't prepare for that right 
Right. And again, like there's no manual and I've never, you know, had a conversation with anyone that's had children that had to also do this. So I don't, again, I'm thinking like, am I the only person that this is happening to? Like, I don't know what's going on. Right. And so So you're just hoping to get to 25 weeks. Okay. So you made it to 25. So we made it to 25 weeks and it was great. We made it to 27 weeks and that was great. We made it to 30 weeks and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so the goal really was to, I was technically due February 3rd, okay. Um, but twins can come as early as like six weeks. So six weeks prior to that was Christmas. Mm. So really that was like the ultimate goal. Like if you can Get make to it Christmas. to Christmas, like we can take it from there. Yeah. Um, so that was like always the plan to make it to Christmas. So December 7th, I ended up, like in the hospital via ambulance, the whole thing for another bleed. Mm. Um, And my stay that time was about eight days. And so I actually had a fibroid that had ruptured. And so Um. that's what it was. But I was also very pregnant with twins at that point. So at that point I was like 33 weeks. Um, so we were there and I was just like, Hey, can you guys just like keep me yeah. for three weeks? Like as much as I didn't want to miss Christmas, I also like didn't want to go home. Yeah. You were scared. This, I was scared. It was a pandemic. Like, okay, we made it to 33 weeks. Like, let's just stay here. Yeah. Um, but, and that hospital was like two hours from my house. So I will also say that during all of these different stays, I was in the hospital by myself because remember we're full COVID. So your husband couldn't come with you at all? Nope. Not in the ambulance, nothing? Not in the ambulance. The two times that I was hospitalized, he was able to stay like the first 24 hours because they documented that I was in active labor so that he could stay. But once that 24 hours was up and I wasn't in active labor, he couldn't stay. And he couldn't come visit or anything? Nope. Oh my God, that's so horrible. So for eight days, I was FaceTiming him. And, you know, so so it was just crazy stressful. Yeah. Um, And they wouldn't let me stay because the county that that hospital is in was having an uptick of COVID. And so they were like running out of space for COVID patients. So they were moving NICU patients into labor and delivery and turning NICU into a COVID unit. So they were like, we really don't have anywhere for you to stay. Like we need this space for actual NICU patients. Right, right. So like you got to go home. And the craziest thing about it was a high school friend of mine had had her baby super early. And so she was on the same floor as me at the same time, at the same time. Oh my God. And so she was like, her daughter was in the NICU. And so we were like texting and stuff. And she was able to like bring me stuff because she was technically a patient. Oh, So because her daughter was in the NICU. So she was like, bringing me stuff and I was able to like see her oh, and so stuff. Nice. So it was like just great to see a familiar face. Yeah. Like anyone's face. Yeah. Um it was so crazy. What crazy so, timing. 
Yes. Divine so she was <laughs> Yes. So she was like, hey, um, they're moving us to like your department because they're turning the NICU into a COVID unit. Scary. So she had actually told me what was happening before the doctors and the nurses. Told oh me. yeah. You um, had an inside scoop. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, you got to go home. Like, like you're good. Like everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And so I came home like on the 14th or something like that of December and um, you know, we had Christmas and I remember all day Christmas day thinking like, okay, you guys can come out. Like it's right. Christmas. You made it to Christmas. Right? Yeah. Like, we made it to Christmas. Like, let's be done with this because I yes. was so over being pregnant. Yeah. And again, that the guilt of like, you don't want to complain because this is right. something that you've always wanted. Mm. But like in the, in the moment, it's hard as hell. Like pregnancy yeah. was super hard for me. Yeah. And so I was like, still that, that inner turmoil of like, um, just wanting it to be done and over with mm-hmm. and, but not wanting to complain because I also know what the other side of that looks like of like literally, wanting and would give anything to be able to be pregnant right it was like a very like weird spot um Mm. so because of all of those complications and because it was a multiple birth anyways we chose to just schedule a c-section yeah um so my c-section was scheduled for january 14th Okay. On January 8th at like one o'clock in the morning, like everything always happened at like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I rolled out of bed because like I'm only five four mm-hmm. um and I was carrying twins. And yeah. so baby A laid on my pelvis the entire time. So I carried them super, super low. Okay. So like my stomach was way lower than it was out, and so they just like were weighing on me literally Mm, literally. um it was terrible Mm. so um I was trying to make it to the bathroom and I remember thinking like great I'm peeing on myself by the time I actually get to the toilet like I won't even have to go anymore and so but it It was was your water water breaking right Yeah. yeah um and again one of those things where like, I've never been pregnant before. So I don't know if it's my water or not. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're like, am I peeing myself because they're before. sitting on my bladder? Or yeah. Is this and my so water I breaking? remember like calling labor and delivery and they're like, did your water break? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, well, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what it feels like. So I can't tell you that what I'm feeling yeah. is my water breaking or active labor because I've never done it before so I don't know what it feels like yeah so it was like super frustrating yeah it was like super frustrating so anyways we drive the 45 minutes to the hospital were you having contractions at this point I don't know because I didn't know what a contraction felt like so (laughs) you're like um, I was just a little uncomfortable yeah like I wasn't feeling anything that I would equate to a contraction okay long story short I was having contractions, but I didn't know. Yeah. So they were like, listen, your water broke. You're having contractions. At that point, I was 36 weeks and two days. So you were good to go. 
So for um, twins, that's full term. Yeah. So they were like, we're just, we're calling anesthesia. Like, we're just going to do your C-section now. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So um, Jax was born at 6.04 in the morning and Grayson was born at 6.05. They were small, but they're twins. So Mm -hmm. Jax was 5'1", Grayson was um, 4'7". And uh, they did great. And they were super healthy. Everything was good. I was a mess, but the two of them were great, which is really all I was concerned about. Mm -hmm. And so I finally felt like after, I was going to say after nine months, but truly after like at this point, six years, I finally felt like I could just breathe a sigh of relief. Like, Like it was over. We did it we made it like we can breathe. And so Mm -hmm. it was just like that collective, like, okay, we're there. Like we we made it. We made it. And so that was like the first time in almost six years that I felt like I could just truly relax, truly take a breath, truly live in the moment and not be worried about what's coming next because we had made it. And so that was like the overwhelming feeling that I had Mm. that day. And the days like, you know, to come after that was just like, it doesn't matter like what happens to me physically. Like I I had eclampsia. I had all the things like I was a mess, but I still was just like, they're good. Like I'm good. Cause they're good. Like we made it. This was like a hell of a journey. And we're here. Like we crossed the finish line. It was like a dream come true. Yeah. And so, you know, we get home and my mom was here. Like when we came home and just like seeing my mom with them and like Mm. seeing my stepson with them. And it was, it was so cool. But again, we were still very much in COVID. Oh, right. And yeah. so almost we forgot. So we didn't allow people to come to our house. Yeah. Cause this was, um, this was January of 2021. January, now. Yeah. So okay, January yeah. So of 2021. Stuff was still popping off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, family is meeting them via FaceTime and Zoom and like we're doing all the things. Um, but nobody was here. Right. right and so right. I had always imagined like that my tribe, my village, my people would be able to hold them and, you know, love on them and see yeah. them in person because like, that's, that's what, you know, like, yeah. that's, that's all that I've ever seen. And again, never been through a pandemic. So mm-hmm. it was just like, we were robbed of so many things. Yeah. And even having this. people come help you. Right. Like you could so have like, anybody help you. You have two brand new babies. Like mm-hmm. you don't, they don't, again, they don't give you a manual in the hospital. Like here, these are your babies, take them home. Like, like what do we do with them? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was so grateful that, you know, my mom quarantined and did all the things like she didn't go anywhere. My husband was shopping for her, like, because we yeah. knew that like we needed someone here. Yeah. yeah. Right. So oh my gosh. like we're coming home with two babies. Oh my gosh. Like talk about so, stressful. <laughs> like, I don't it was, know what to do. Yeah. It was so wild. Um, so, you know, they did great. We got into a routine, like that first week really flew by and we got into a routine. The second week we were like, yeah, we got this. Like, like, we're killing it. 
we're killing it we're getting like three hours of sleep a night like we we were so good at like the trade-off like I'll feed this one you change that one like we had this little routine going it was great no were they they technically weren't identical right because it was two embryos right yeah they're fraternal okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and it was so funny because you know I never thought that I would be one to be able to like tell twins apart Mm -hmm. and even though they were fraternal I mean let's be honest they're two brand new babies they look exactly the same exactly (laughs) so true it doesn't matter if they're like genetically the same or not like they literally looked the same exactly the same um so it was it was just really funny to see but yeah so like week two we're like yeah we got this like we're we're into like a solid routine things are going good Okay, I know this is at like such a peak point of this episode because of what's about to come after this. And I know you want to get back to it, but I have to let you know about this, especially if you are somebody who is looking to improve their fertility, whether you are working on naturally conceiving, whether you know you're about to start IVF process, whether you've been pregnant before, but you want to again, and you're just in some form of fertility journey, whatever that's going to look like for you. I want to make sure that you are aware of two, at least two of these products from Gut Personal. So Gut Personal Personal is a sponsor of this show and I'm obsessed with them. Of course, you know that I would never recommend something that I don't personally use and have seen results with. Me and my husband use these literally every single day. And there are two specific supplements I want to make sure that you are aware of. So Gut Personal, the reason why I love this company is because first of all, it's female owned, hello, and founded all the things. They're run by functional registered dietitians, so they know what's up. And our gut is the center of our health. It's where we absorb nutrients. It's where we expel excess hormones out of our body. It's directly connected to our brain. It's where our immune system lives. Like It is so important to make sure that we are really nourishing our gut, especially when it comes to fertility, because we need specific nutrients in order to actually ovulate and to hold on to a pregnancy and do all these things. But if our gut is jacked up and it's unable to actually absorb the nutrients properly, even if you're taking supplementation, it's not going to do anything. So two of the products that I want you to really know about is number one, their Miracle Worker Magnesium, which if you've listened to this podcast for 0.2 seconds, you've for sure heard me talk about this, but magnesium is so freaking important for your stress levels, for sleep, for your overall hormonal health and wellness, like all of it. So if you are going through a fertility journey, no matter what it looks like, it does add a little bit of stress. So making sure that you are having, at least if you're doing the powder, I would say at least like a heaping scoop at night, or if you're doing capsules, that's going to look like two to three capsules at least that amount a day, depending on your stress levels and your pooping and what's that looking like. If you need to poop a little bit more and you're feeling a little bit constipated, you could add a little bit more to it. But it's really, really important to make sure you have your stress levels in check to actually be able to ovulate, hold on to pregnancy, all of that. So highly recommend the Miracle Worker Magnesium. The second one I want you to know about is their vitamin D drops, their sunshine drops. And they also have it in a capsule form as well. I'm the drop person because it absorbs quicker. It's actually a bigger bang for your buck because it lasts a lot longer and you could customize the dose based off of what your vitamin D needs are. But vitamin D3 is essential for fertility. There's so many studies show that people who are struggling with infertility have low vitamin D3 levels. So I love this one because it also has vitamin K in it, which actually helps you absorb the vitamin D. So highly recommend that. And then I would just recommend you go to gutpersonal.com slash Corinne and take the free quiz because that's what's so cool about it. That's why it's called gut personal because it personalizes gut 
what supplements based off of what you actually need. So take the quiz. It's super quick. It'll take you less than 10 minutes and it'll give you a rundown of what other specific supplements might really support you and your gut. And because you're a listener of the show, you get a discount using code Corinne at checkout. C-O-R-I-N-N-E. So highly recommend the Miracle Worker Magnesium, the vitamin D3 drops. Definitely take the quiz to see which probiotic is best for you and any other supplements that they might recommend. And of course, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Come message me on Instagram and I'll be so happy to support you in this. And now let's get back into today's show with Jarika Heaty. And um, I am an avid Buffalo Bills fan, so I don't know if oh you my watch gosh. football. But my I'm fiance a- is obsessed with the Buffalo Bills, so I am now a Buffalo Bills fan. So I oh my that. gosh, I love that. Yeah, okay. so I never watched football in my life until we started living together, but now I'm all up in it. So right, and his name's Chris, right? Yes. All right, so Chris and I'll have to jam out on some on some <laughs> Buffalo Bills stuff. Yes. So I'm an I'm an avid Bills fan. I mean, I was born in Buffalo. I live in upstate New York. It comes with the territory. Yep. So uh <laughs> the Bills had finally made it to the playoffs after like 20 years. Yes, and so we yes, were like I doing all the things, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Bills were playing that night, and it was a Sunday night. Bills are playing. We've got all of our like favorite like football food out, and the baby had good naps and we're like feeding them and holding them and doing all these things. And I'm, you know, I don't really remember what was going on on the screen, but I was holding Grayson and we were doing like skin to skin because he was the smaller of the two. Mm -hmm. And so um, I literally felt the life leave his body and I looked down and he wasn't breathing and I, the last thing I truly vividly remember was saying, Trevor, he's not breathing. And then anything after that is like a blur. Wow. Um, so we, you know, 911 was called. Um, the the uh, sheriffs came to our house first. And where I live, because we live in the sticks, um, mm. all of our EMS is run by volunteers. And so what that means is there isn't, there are people on standby, but usually by the time they get like a full crew, it takes a little bit longer for them to get a full crew. Um, So Grayson was transported to the ER via the sheriffs because it was taking too long to get an ambulance crew. So the sheriffs took him to the ER. Um, You went with him? No, a neighbor of mine drove me oh, okay. and Trevor stayed with Jax. Oh. So Trevor was here at my house with Jax. Our stepson was here and I had rode because I wasn't even cleared to drive yet. Yeah. So a neighbor drove me to the hospital and I remember sitting in the emergency room thinking this cannot be how our story ends like this can't be it like like this was you know five years of infertility treatments all of these you know procedures these surgeries uh, the a very difficult pregnancy Mm. like a global pandemic like all of these things and like we we made it and so this can't be how the story ends Mm. and um they they worked on him for about an hour um, before 
I made the decision to tell them to stop. So um, he was, like I said, he was four pounds. Um, so four and a half pounds. Um, and they did everything, like they did everything that they could. Um, and so I, you know, am at the hospital by myself very, at this point, um, they were 16 days old. So I was 16 days out from this C-section, but I had all of these other complications. Mm -hmm. So I was not healing as fast. It it was, it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was there by myself, um, because my husband was home with our other baby Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, at this point, like my neighbor had left and, uh, one of my friends that works at the hospital, I had called her. So she was there with me. Um, And so then, you know, I remember thinking like, I finally was able to breathe Mm -hmm. and now I just had the wind knocked right out of me. Um, So in a month's time, I brought my boys home from the hospital and I also brought my son's ashes home from the funeral home all within a calendar month. And so it was terrible. Um, And then started the journey of grief and loss and failure all over again. Right. Just, it just looked different on this end. And so um, it was very, um, I don't even really have the words. I don't think that there are words, Yeah, but uh, we're here. And mm-hmm. so, so wow. in that um, was just so much that happened and I felt mm-hmm. so robbed of so many things mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, because of, you know, the infertility journey itself. Um, I just felt that we didn't get a chance to do so many things Mm -hmm. that seem so normal in a normal pregnancy and like newborn stage. And so I just felt very robbed of all of that. Mm. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And I know you share it openly, you know, on your social media platform and all of that. So I don't even know like where, to begin with that story. Um, how did you, cause again, that's not something you've ever been through. It's not, you know, I'm sure you've been, been through grief before in a different way with other family members, but it's obviously a whole nother, you know, yeah. a whole nother category. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, how did you support, you, you know, yourself through that? Like, what did that look like leading forward because then you also had a baby at home that you had to take care of who looked exactly like Gracie did yeah and so I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that was the thing that I struggled with the most and the thing that I would say I still struggle with the most Mm -hmm. because in my experience the very few people that I know that had lost babies Mm. had one baby and lost one baby. Right. 
I didn't know anybody that had twins and lost one twin. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, so again, that grief is different because yes, I'm mourning the loss of Grayson, but also how do I then care for Jax? Like I didn't, I didn't know like what to do because for as much, you know, love and adoration that I had for, for both of them and that Mm -hmm. I have for both of them to lose Grayson and to have to continue on with just Jax was like inconceivable and it still sometimes is. And so, Mm -hmm. especially in those first days, weeks, months, um, it was extremely difficult because with every milestone comes a milestone missed, right? So with Mm -hmm. every milestone that Jack's hit, it was a milestone that Grayson missed. And Mm -hmm. so there's this, and there will always be this, like he hit this, he missed this, he hit Mm -hmm. this, he missed this. Um, And so I was extremely grateful because I guess you can call it a coincidence, but I would say probably October of 2020, a person that I was following on Instagram shared a story of someone close to them who was pregnant with twins, delivered them at 29 weeks and lost one of them at nine days old. And so this woman was immediately like just a step ahead of me. Right. Mm -hmm. So she, so she had them like in the beginning of October, lost her one daughter and I had them in January. And so I remember like watching her stories from October to January and thinking this woman is so strong. Mm -hmm. Like she's so brave to be sharing this because she's literally going through this in real time and she's sharing it. And then that also became my story as well. Mm. And so I, I followed her really from afar. Like I definitely wasn't in her DMS. Like, how do you do this? Right. Because I, because I knew that she was, also trying to navigate yeah how do you do this right um you know and so her story is still so similar but different because her babies stayed in the NICU and stuff and so you know she had that you know the differences being like that both her babies didn't come home you right. know so um but still so much similarity that yeah. I was like I just kind of clung to her stories and mm-hmm. so I would re-watch her stories from like October mm-hmm. and just kind of start to mimic what I saw her do because I there is no manual yeah and so I'm you know trying to heal and trying to do these things and I can tell you that um 
it was an extremely dark place. Um, and I think that without the foundation that I had of like a solid gratitude practice and a solid, um, just like mindset to Mm -hmm. begin with, um, that if I hadn't had that, I don't, I think my story would be very different. Yeah. Wow. So there's so much in there. Um, I mean, that's just like a a hell that you wouldn't wish on anybody and that nobody should ever have to go through. Um, but you are really turning it into something where you are serving other people who are in that type of situation that can learn from you, which is so beautiful. Um, but I want to talk about the holding to emotions because that's something that you said is going to continue, right? Where you're like, Jax is one year birthday, but that's also a reminder that, you know, Grayson didn't get that. So you're kind of holding to emotions at the same time of like so much excitement for Jax, but then so much grief. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, what in the moment of holding to emotions, because again, this isn't something that ever is going to go away for you of those holding to emotions. Like how do you allow it to not just consume you? Or maybe sometimes it does like, you know, what does that look like? Sometimes it does consume me. Um, Nighttime is still the worst. Um, Mm. And nighttime is definitely the worst. Sundays are still hard. Um, Mm. But that you know, I'm literally standing in between grief and gratitude, right? Right, Because, and it's like this messy mix of the two. And Mm -hmm. so what I have learned and what I am continuing to learn is, is that you can be grateful even when you're grieving Mm. and you can be grieving and still find something to be grateful for. So grief is really just a form of love, right? It's like Mm. the ultimate form of love. So when you are grieving something or you're grieving someone, it's really just this immense burst of love that's happening and so we never thought of it like that when you think of grief like love then it makes sense that you can love and be grateful Mm. right because so I think it's just like finding that I won't call it a balance because it doesn't balance but finding that space where you are directly in the center of the two, like you're the intersection. And so as long as you can stay in that intersection and it doesn't, you know, you don't weigh one way or the other, Mm -hmm. as long as you can stay right in that pivotal point, um, I think that's how you keep your head above water. Right. Um, And obviously sometimes... Yeah. And so obviously, you know, you will start to sway one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and then you have to, to deal with the emotions that come with that. Um, but for me, it's kind of like, if I can just remind myself to like stay somewhere in the middle of that circle Mm -hmm. that I can kind of keep my head above water. Wow. Wow. I've never heard of it explained like that. 
And I think that's going to be really helpful for people who are in grief right now, whether it's a situation like you or something else. And a question that popped up as you were talking was, did you ever feel, or do you ever feel any, and if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to answer this, any like resentment towards Jax when you're seeing him because Grayson's not there or was it never kind of transferred like that? No, no, no. I've never, I've never had resentment towards him at Mm -hmm. all. If anything, there are times that I look at him and I'm just like, it's so funny because I can look at him and sometimes I see Grayson. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's never been a resentment, mm. but only like, um, yeah, no, I, not a resentment. I definitely, I would say it's almost like a, um, like a burden mm, okay. almost because what I have recently come to discover is that um, Jax will also grieve Grayson in his own way. Yeah. And so, so that's like a whole nother like level that again, there's no manual for that. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's his entire life was with his brother and then his brother was gone. And so, you know, I can remember like asking the pediatrician, like, how do you know what grieving looks like in an infant? I can't ask him if he's sad, Yeah, but he for sure knows that his brother is not here. Mm -hmm. You know, like they slept in the same. I was going to ask that they sleep together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were together and Mm -hmm. Jax was like the calm baby when I was pregnant. Grayson was the more wild one. Mm. And so Grayson was constantly like knocking Jax around Mm. like when I was pregnant. And then even, you know, for the 16 days that they were together Earthside, they were together all the time. Mm -hmm. So they slept together. You know, we did, they were constantly touching each other. So he lost that too. So Mm -hmm. he for sure knew that something was different. Right. And so how do you console a grieving baby? Right. Right. Like, what do you do? And again, there's no answers for that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So, and then, you know, having to also live with the fact that, you know, I'm going to have to walk this journey with Jax as he grieves and figures out his process as he gets older to grieve his brother as well. Right. Cause you're going to have to be the one that tells him, you right. know, like when he's a certain, he's not just going to know like outwardly, you know, like maybe he knows internally, right. but you're going to have to, you and your husband are going to have to be the ones that, you know, actually physically tell him that one day. Right. Mm, wow. Yeah. This is, every the whole part of your journey is just like it's so you know unexpected or you wouldn't think it's going to happen and there's no manual and it's just like so challenging and and the fact that you are still like you're obviously you have your bad days i mean that's just going to happen right. right but right and you're very open about that like you're always sharing about that in social media which i think is so powerful because you're not just kind of like pretending like i'm good now like everything's fine you know like you're yeah. very open about it. Um, 
but you also talk about how to support yourself through it and, and what that's going to look like, because like you said, there's no manual for any of this. So what do you, what would you say is like, you know, the biggest thing that you've learned in, and, you know, probably still learning in all of this, like, what is something that you, cause I know you talk about gratitude and not that you were ever grateful for this situation. And, and obviously you would want it to be completely different, but what have you learned? What have you taken away from all of this? Um, you know, it has truly become, um, my passion and my purpose to walk alongside women that are going through a similar journey. And mm-hmm. so I say similar so that, you know, you don't have to have lost a child. You don't have to have gone through infertility. Your trauma may be different than mm-hmm. mine, but the process of healing is the same. Mm-hmm. And so it has become like my my purpose, my life's calling to take my story and share it with the hopes that you can find yourself in pieces of my story mm-hmm. and allow me the opportunity to walk with you through that grief journey and through that process of healing. And so without, without me going through this journey, I would not have come to that conclusion or not have been equipped to be able to do the things that I want to do. So as a podcaster and as a speaker and as an author, I can use my voice and my story Mm -hmm. to find common ground and to inspire anyone that will listen that you don't, you know, that your feelings are valid. You don't have to walk this journey alone and that um, there is, there is healing and there is a light truly at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Oh my gosh, Jerrica, you are just so amazing. I have chills all over my body. I, and, and it's like honoring, you know, your story and, and Grayson and all of it through it. Like, is, so that's yeah. the last other question just popped up before we wrap this up. Is there, are there ways that you honor Grayson still, or because, you know, could, there could be that little thing where it's like, you know, maybe you don't talk about him in the house or do you talk about him in the house? Like, you know, cause I'm sure with someone going through grief, everyone grieves differently. Everyone talks about things differently, but you know, what does that look like for you guys in, in your house? Yeah. So for us, you know, we, um, last summer we, for the 4th of July, we did a celebration of life for him. Mm -hmm. Um, because basically what happened was, um, Grayson passed away and then my husband's side of the family, um, they came from California and they stayed with us that first week. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off before. Did they ever find out what happened? He had a congenital heart defect, which was missed on every ultrasound because he spent 95% of his time hiding behind Jack's. So all of his, like, where where the heart defect was, it was in a spot where he could still, um, present like normal blood pressures and normal oxygen and he could still present healthy 
um, because of where the hole was and the size of the hole, it was, it was very, very small. So it was like a minuscule bleed, but so small that he could still present healthy. Right. Even in the hospital, they missed it. Even in the hospital. Yeah. So like he passed every single test that was done on him. Um, yeah. So it's like the perfect storm. So, okay. Sorry to interrupt. I just had, no, 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 you're fine. So (laughs) we talk about him. Um, we did a, So his parents came in from California. Yeah. So his parents, his family came from California. And at that point, we made the decision to just basically say to hell with the, with the pandemic, like Mm -hmm. we need people around us. Yes. And so, yes, we took precautions. Yes. You know, we were safe, but Mm -hmm. we had people in our house because at that point I was just like, there. I was very much like, so what if I die? Like, I, you know what right. I mean? Like, so what if I get sick? Like right. that still isn't, it's, it wasn't a strong enough um, thing for me to be like, no, you can't come to my house. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like people needed to like love on Jax and we needed to and like you. be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. And like we yeah. need people, like I spent my entire pregnancy alone. And so at that point, I just like, we decided like, no, we need people. Yeah. And so 4th of July, we had a celebration of life for him. Mm. And, um, we like had these like cards made and we have like these vinyl stickers. And so like they're on our cars, people have them on like their water jugs and stuff. And yeah. it, it's just, it just says shine on for Grayson with like a, um, sunflower. And so what we do is we blow bubbles for him so at the celebration of life everybody blew bubbles people that weren't there were like sending in videos of their families blowing bubbles and so that's like kind of like what we do like it's a nice summer thing um Mm -hmm. you know we live in upstate new york right on the lake so water is huge and like so just that like sunshine bubbles that's kind of like what we do for grayson um and yeah we talk about him and so it's Mm -hmm. it's there is a a post on my IG feed actually of like a wooden frame that's in our nursery with a photo of him and mm. it's over Jax's like changing table. And so every time he has his diaper changed, he will touch that photo oh, of Grayson. And so it's just like a, a very like sweet gesture that we did not like train him to do it's just something that he does when he when he's in there so that's cool for us we we talk about him um and I know that sometimes that's not the easiest for people but it that's what we do here so Mm -hmm. I love that oh my gosh you are so amazing I'm so glad that I had you on this podcast to talk about this because I think it's a really really important topic and it's really um you know, like touchy subject, but you like, you know, before we got on, I said, you know, is there something you don't want me to ask you, you know, how are you going to feel about talking about this? And you said, no, like, I want to talk about whatever, because you know, that it's going to help somebody, which is so amazing. So the, for anybody who is listening right now, please tell them how they can connect with you, where they could find you, the books, the podcast, like everything, because I know people are going to want to reach out to you. Um, just, in so many different ways. So how can people find you, work with you, all of it? 
<clears throat> yeah. So um, I'm everywhere on social media at Jerrica Hetty. So it's just my my first and last name. Um, that's my Instagram. Uh, my uh, website is jerricahetty.com. The podcast is entitled Grit and Gratitude. And so you can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, like all of the information about the workshops that I'm going to be holding and the places that I'm going to be. And I would just say for anybody that's listening to this, if you were touched by this story in any way, and you have a group of people that you belong to, or that you know of that you think could use some inspiration from my journey, like please send them my way. Because I feel like the more that I'm able to share my journey and the more that I'm able to spread this message that, um, you know, the, the easier it will be for us as women collectively to know that we're valued, seen and heard. Yes. Oh, it's so important to see somebody talking about it while you're in it and while you're still in it and not just 20 years down the road or just an expert talking about the science end of it. Like it's so important. It's so powerful. All this is going to, of course, be in the show notes. Do you work with clients or is it more of like workshop speaking type of things? So I'm actually going to be taking on clients. I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. Okay. Um, You know, because I like to say that I'm the girl that talks about the really heavy shit of life in Mm -hmm. a high vibe way. But in order for me to do that, I can only carry so much heavy stuff at one time. Mm -hmm. So I'm still just like trying to figure out logistically how that's going to look. And also I have you know, a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so my time is like short, um, yeah. but I definitely, you know, am looking to take on some one-on-one clients for sure in the future. Okay. Amazing. So all this will be in the show notes. If you have any questions, like Jerrica is an open book. She would love to hear from you. Like, yeah. please, if this, if you know somebody who's going through any type of grief or infertility or anything, please share this podcast episode with them please tag Jerrica and me on Instagram, share it on your stories. Like, please spread this message because somebody needs to hear this more than just one person. This is something that hundreds and thousands of people are dealing with, but nobody really knows about it because they don't talk about it. So maybe if you put it on your Instagram story and someone sees it, who you don't know that they're struggling with this, they'll be able to go to this podcast episode, listen to it and feel like they're not alone in this journey. Um, so Jerrica, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being so open. Thank you for taking this, you know, nightmare of a story and bringing it to a place where you are empowering other women and inspiring other women to just like come together and support each other. It's so amazing. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity, Corinne, seriously. And thank you to your listeners and your community. Um, I, I truly appreciate you taking this time out of your day to listen to my story. Oh, thank you, Jerrica. Oh, you're so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. 
I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.